Want to have safe, kinky sex? Make sure you make your way over to AdamEve.com. Adam and Eve has over 12 million satisfied customers worldwide. Everything from the newest vibrators to classic movies. When you're on AdamEve.com, make sure to enter in the promo code HUSH50. That's H-U-S-H-5-0 to get 50% off almost any one item and free shipping. Do I need to say that again? Free shipping. Make sure you have your kinky, safe sex needs satisfied by visiting AdamEve.com. Sex, dating, relationships, and all things kept on the hush. Welcome to Hush, the podcast that brings you the shit you love to hear. Let's slide into the episode. Dropping that sexiness for your ears as we enter another volume of Hush. Hey everybody, I want to thank you for tuning into the Hush podcast. I'm very excited for this episode today. I have Mark from Vancouver True Crime Podcast. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, I'm Mark Devereaux. I run Vancouver True Crime. I mostly talk about serial killers, monsters, and predators. But I also do advocacy work for the missing indigenous uh, cause, the Solon Sisters. There's a huge problem in British Columbia of women going missing. We're home of the Highway of Tears. And I, I my, my, sorry, my grandmother is First Nation, so I, I picked this topic to honor her memory. You know, missing indigenous women and two-spirited women. How long have you been doing your podcast? Just put a little focus on you right now. Okay, sure, cool. Um, I started in 2018. Uh, my background is actually very different. I was in uh, corporate sales. I was middle-aged. I had a bad dad bod. Uh, I had two kids, and I had lots of commuting, and my life was a uh, boring grind. And I just I couldn't do that. I probably would have had a heart attack if I had that. So. Um, I decided to change careers, start a podcast, and start doing stuff advocacy on social media. Lost 70 pounds, and awesome. unfortunately, my wife passed away during that transition time. And and so even my podcast and the development of my platform documented that my change and kind of what I went through. So I kind of really put my life out there. I talk about myself openly. I share my stories, and I'm kind of an open book. But I also tell. Uh, scary stories too about our monsters too as well. BC has a lot of serial killers and a lot of people go missing, including men and women and stuff. So it's nice to be on a podcast like this, Kim, and and really talk about maybe not so much lighthearted stuff like narcissistic use, but you know, <laughs> online dating and stuff like that. It's, it's my pleasure to be here, and I thank you for inviting me on your platform. Thank you again. I feel honored. I feel honored as well. Um, Real quick, where can people find your podcast? My podcast is on all major platforms, uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google, Apple. If you Google Vancouver True Crime, 
you know, everything comes up. My main page is Instagram because I post stuff locally about people going missing. Um, I do a lot of community uh, advocacy. Uh, I did a march for a woman named uh, Chelsea Foreman who was found uh, in a very mysterious circumstance in a very fancy mansion in a fancy area of town. Her skeleton was discovered without her skull, and the police say nothing suspicious. So I did a march for the family. And so I do a lot of advocacy work. So um, that's what the Instagram page is about. So you see that I'm pretty engaging. I think that's awesome. And again, I'm honored to have you on here. Let's start off with the lighthearted topic. Let's start off with online dating, because that seems to be the trend yes. these days. Yeah, online dating. Well, it's the way we meet people, right? You know, it back is. in the day when I was younger, it was the bar, you know, the meat market, <laughs> or you know, get all dolled up. My, uh, my older brother, he put on that really horrible smelling cologne. Like, I don't know if they have that in the state. It's uh, English leather. <sighs> I've never heard oh, of that. Oh, it's a foul. Oh, it's foul. <laughs> uh, well, they also for the audience, too, I, I do have American-Canadian uh, citizenship. My dad's American. Um, he lives in Denver, Colorado, but I was mostly born and raised in Vancouver, British Columbia. But also, I've traveled a lot. Through this, so I know the states quite well. I've traveled for business there. A lot of the companies I've worked for, you know, American companies and stuff like that. So I just want to put that out there. So uh, no, no, so you know, <laughs> I, I do know a lot about the states. No way. Anyways, I also lost your question. <laughs> so we're just jumping right into online dating. I think. Oh, that... yes, online dating. Yes, yes, yes. So we, yeah, it's how we meet people, right? We, uh, back in the day, go to the bar, blah, 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 or, or even horrible. I think the equivalent to online dating back in the past was being set up with a blind date. <laughs> you know, Those I've never, horrible. I've never been on a blind date before. I did meet people at the bar. <laughs> Yeah, I've done the bar thing. I, I was a bouncer. I was a bartender. I worked in the bar industry where I traveled across Canada. I was a bar manager. We had this, like, remember when boy bands were big? Yes, I was a big fan of we Backstreet had, Boys. <laughs> we had the, I had the cheesiest boy band, and I had to travel with them across Canada and protect them because they would just get into this stupid, you know, they're, they, you know dumb, <laughs> dumb kids. But it was kind of fun, right? So, but yeah, you see a lot of crazy stuff and a lot of people picking each other up when it stands, all kinds of stuff, right? So we, we've kind of changed for that. Everything is on our phone now. It's all, you know, a yes. tender and uh, plenty of fish, which is personally, I have some hor- horrific plenty of fish stories. <laughs> so, you know, oh, I can't To me, in my opinion, and I'm not trying to bang on plenty of fish, but to me, that's the bottom of the, pit, of the barrel of dating in my opinion. For if you're going to go online dating, that's like the bottom of Because the <laughs> I used to do it on Craigslist, but Craigslist, they don't allow it no, they don't. I remember that though. It got kind of creepy then. It really did. I yeah, like... it was kind of creepy, and also too, like sometimes when I was really bored, I would look at all the different variations, and something would come up. You know, I'd be like, <laughs> okay, I want to find, I want a man, woman, and a transgender, and I want to find another man, woman, transgender, boop, a bunch of you know, oh, there you go, they're all meeting in a hotel room, something. You know what I mean? So that it was kind of like. I would almost like play the game of well, what could I not find on Craigslist? <laughs> I think there was something called Backdoor as well, and like Adult Friend Finder or something. Backpage, yeah. Yes, Backpage. Back yeah, that one was pretty <laughs> sketchy too, and, and that one because it was human trafficking, and, and that's another huge issue. We can touch on that. Is is a, the human trafficking is such a up and rising crime? It's such an easy way 
to get started if you're a criminal. You just kidnap some poor girl or, or manipulate her and a hotel room back page ad and some creep is paying you money, right? So yeah, it's back sad. to the online dating, right? So keep me keep me focused on online <laughs> dates. I'll get dark fast, right? I want to talk about the difficulty with finding real conversations. I feel like that's a challenge that I have because I tend to use these online dating apps from time to time. Like I explain to yeah, you everything okay. that's going on in my life with uh, my right. dispatching, my mother, and and my kids. So when I do yeah, have time, yeah. it's hard for me to like connect with people and find like a real conversation at times. I don't know if you ever experienced that. Yeah, because again, you know, we all have no, you know, again, different. Uh, way of life like you know when i was a kid like i'm i'm old right i you know i'm i'm younger than i look because i work out but i'm old i'm i i was born in the 70s i remember hippies my mom was a hippie everything was communal you got to know everybody you know you know you know knew who the bad persons were the dumb people and the person that we couldn't trust your wallet around but now you don't right because we all live in very isolated communities and and, and and all on our phone, we have uh, our, our relationships are generally more superficial. Like, you know, like for for example, you know, on my platform, you know, I probably if I added them all up in different ones, I know fifty thousand people. How many do I do? Who? How many of them do I know intimately? So I, I, yes. I have, out of that whole number, I have about a hundred people that I can talk to at any time from the platform. If that makes sense. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, know, it's like I so have like it's hard to make connections with people because everyone's busy and their distraction and everyone has different agendas and people don't really communicate so they're not going to tell you like what's on their mind and then I think that's an unfortunate part. It is. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like one of those ones that gets kind of bored well, after "How are you?" <laughs> and I'm like, um, I guess well, I'm doing okay, good. Then, <laughs> remember, okay, like, you know, let's go back a bit to this, right? So back in the day. Now you're feeling kind of like your uncle Crowell, right? When you go to the bar, mm-hmm. you know, you had to bring some energy to the game. You did. You had to bring some energy, you wear did. a nice outfit, you know, if you're a young man, maybe polish your up the shave or trim or whatever, right? Or if you're a female, go yeah, out and dance. Slops, you know, smoking a joint, bong toast, you know, watching something dumb on it, and then thumbing at, at chicks' pictures. I don't like her. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean you get what I'm saying. Right? I do. I totally so, do. <laughs> It's a different culture, and, and I think that if you if you truly want to make a connection with someone, then you have to find people with similar interests in you, right? Like, yeah. for me, I found, I found I have a whole bunch of people interested in true crime, made a lot of great connections with people like with that. Not that I'm dating them, I'm, I'm you know, in a relationship, but, but I, I'm still making deeper connections because we have a topic that we are, you know, so again, you can do that with dating too. Let's like say you're into playing softball, you join a softball, a co-ed softball team, you might, you know, might meet a, a cool person doing that. If not, you're getting some exercise. So I think, I think to meet quality people, you kind of have to get out of your comfort zone, if that makes sense. You know, no, it, it makes reflect, perfect sense. You know. I get you. Um, switching it up a little bit. What about getting ghosted? Have you ever been ghosted by somebody that you thought, okay, finally we have a connection going, we have this good conversation, and all of a sudden you don't hear from them? I've seen a lot of people ghosting, and it's a new phenomenon. I, 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 I have a different phenomenon that's slightly different than ghosting, which is this is an annoying. But uh, ghosting, I think, is again back to what I'm saying. We live in this kind of detached from each other society. So I'm tired of our that block. 
you know, problem <laughs> solved, right? It's just like the most, like, you know, it doesn't take any effort, right? Imagine, you know, that back in the day, again, you're dating someone for two weeks, you know, you, you didn't have text messaging, you could write letters, but that would take a couple, you know, a couple of days. But you had to talk to each other, you had to break down why you're not compatible. And maybe it was an ugly blow up, maybe it didn't feel good, but at least there was closure, right? This whole, oh, I'm done with you. I can see how how awful that it would make someone feel. I, I feel fortunate that I haven't been ghosted, not in the dating sense, but I've had people, they, it's not like they, they ghost you, it's almost like you call them, they take a powder, they disappear, and then they just reappear <laughs> again. Like It's like, no big deal, yes. where the fuck were you been from? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And it's like some flaky kind of like response. Oh, I, I had a little drama to do with, okay, well, fine, okay, well, what do you want now? Yeah, and, and so it, it kind of has that same effect, it still feels disrespectful, but it, and then you just know not to really take them serious, right? You totally get the vibes, because I've gone through that before, like, a few months have passed, and then, like, three or four months later, I suddenly get, like, a message. By this time, I've probably deleted your number, which has happened before, and it's always, hey, stranger, and I'm like, no, you're the stranger, because I don't know who the fuck you are now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think like exactly what you're saying. Like some time has gone by, and it's like you almost like described your head. Like I've had like you know almost like a couple years later. Hey, remember me? We we went for cough coffee at Starbucks. I'm like, okay, and okay, so <laughs> are, you, are you trying to sell me something? Like, you know, like, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, I have I been guilty of ghosting. Bills that we used to have in, in my opinion. Because you know, again, we had to live more in a community structure. We had to cooperate with each other more and stuff. Yes. You know. I have been guilty of ghosting people, but not after meeting them. It's always been like a conversation, and if I feel like the connection's not there, or it just, I don't know, I'm not really feeling the vibe, I have just slowly stopped responding. Yeah, I've done that too, but I think like in the beginning, it's like, hey, listen, it's just not going to work. Like, I think that's different than like, you know, I've known cases, I'm not even joking, where someone dated someone for a whole year and then, and then ghost out of nowhere and then, and then, and then appear with the most bullshit, you know, after a year, you think you're in this relationship, everything is yeah. good, there's never been arguing and then boom. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that, that's pretty, uh. That's catastrophic. That sucks. Yeah, yes. and that's almost psychopathic. See, it is. So going back to that, someone ghosting like that, I put them almost on that narcissism deviancy scale where it's like they they don't give a fuck. Excuse my language about hurting me. Like they, they it's not. They don't just want to like give it to. You. They want to do something that's really devastating. That's something that's going to take you a long time to recover from. So yeah, that, that's really. And that's all going to tie into what we're going to talk about later as well, the healing process. That's deep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. To lighten it up a little bit, does everyone just want to hook up rather than date these days? What's your opinion on that? I think it's 50-50. And, and I don't have any issue people hooking up. They're honest. Hey, just so I know if I, you know, if I was like, say, I've been through this hell divorce, I don't want to get in a big relationship, I want to go on dates, I think that's fine as long as you're, like, you're cool with it and you're, you make that person uh, aware that's what you want. But a lot of people are cowards. Again, like, like what we said again, they're cowards. And mm-hmm. they're not going to tell you that they just want to hook. Oh, baby, I do. I, I said, you know, again, when I said travel with these troops, across 
Ross County, I'd listen to the game. Oh, I want to settle down in a small town like this. You know, just saying anything to the chick at the bar to get her upstairs, you know. Oh, I'll be back, I promise. Yes, you know, but, the sweet yeah, nothings. Like, <laughs> Whispering mm-hmm. the sweet nothings. <laughs> it's that charm. Yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me, my throat. No worries. I have my this hay fever, this Yes, I think it's 50-50, and like, like for me, and I also think what phase you are in your life, right, because I went through phases where I just wanted to hook up, and it just became emptier, 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 and I, and, you know, just excuse the expression, I just, I felt, I just felt it was just like mutual masturbating, and, and I got to the point where I just felt like, I'd just rather just jerk off, excuse my language. The feeling that you're, you know, you're using someone. So I, I, I stopped liking that for myself because, because again, it's not like you're meeting, you know, tens and runway models and like, you know, you're they, when people when people are hooking up all the time, it's sometimes like the, the standard kind of starts to get low if you if you get get the drift, right? I do. I've done the same yeah. thing as well. 50-50. I've gone through different phases. I'm probably in one right now, to be honest, where it's just looking at hookups because of, well, when we talk about narcissistic behavior later, it touches with a little bit of that. But I've also been on dates as well, like actual dates where they'll take me out and treat me out. So it's been like weird. It's been an odd phase in my life. It's like half and half, like the way you say. There's yeah. some where I'll go out on dates, and then uh, there's some where it's just like, we know we're not going to date. <laughs> Let's just get to business. Well, you know, if there's chemistry, and again, you're an adult, and you're kind of, you know, you have a busy life, and you have the right chemistry, you got three hours before the kids come home, hell, hell yeah, you know what I mean? It works <laughs> out, it works out. But those are like, you know, those are like planet alignments, right? Yes, they um, are. And then other cases, you're going to date someone, and it's like, oh, you, like, I've been in situations myself where you like the person, you know, they're cool, but there's no chemistry and you don't want to hurt them. But, but, but yet everyone else that you're looking at is even worse. So it's kind of, <laughs> this, kind of like this purgatory of dating. I've been, you know, so you go through that too. And then you just, oh God, I wish we could just go hook up with someone. Yes. So yeah, it could be schizophrenic, right? I've kind of been in that situation as well. I've been with somebody actually where we were talking for a few months and then he, um, I don't want to throw out too many details. He went through something traumatic, a loss in his life, because then it'll, like, pin yeah. down who it is that I'm talking about. Yeah. And um, I remember going over to his place, and he wasn't there, and I waited. I thought, like, maybe he hurt himself or something, or something along those lines. And then the other part of me is like, no, he's probably with somebody else. Then, like, about... I would say probably about a month later, because then he ghosted me. Like, a month later, he had a girlfriend, like, a month or two later. So, I was like, I have a feeling she was in the woodworks, you know? As I was trying to develop... The whole time. Yeah, that too. That's the other thing. Yeah, we should touch on that. Is a person that's not honest about seeing other people. You know, like, like, you know, there's situations where, for example, where... You know, the guy just keeps sort of check. She just keeps the profile up, and you think you, you think it's serious, and she, you know she's seeing other people about it, or she hasn't stopped seeing other people about her back. Yes. And that's kind of deception. Again, if as long as people are honest and everything's cool, but I, I myself, my standards are if there's any kind of deception, I, it's the first sign of that, get the hell out of there because if it's there in the beginning, it's going to get worse as time goes on. 
That's how I feel. Honestly, that's how I am. Especially dealing with the stuff that I allowed myself to go through with my ex-husband and father of my children. As soon as I see any sign of fuckery, sorry, but that's how I describe it. Like, I'm done. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the head game, the the, Mm -hmm. the dumb answer. You know, you ask a straight poor answer and you get, like, a bunch of BS back. Yeah, I know I can't do that stuff anymore. Let's talk about something more positive. Success stories. Have you heard of any success stories with online dating? Oh, totally. You know, people, you know, people do meet the rage mask because again, that's the way people think. So it has, it is successful, uh, you know, for people. I know a lot of people, that's how they met. You ask I think if you did a poll, how did you meet your partner? I'll say, oh, on match.com or this one or that one, right? So I guess it does happen. And I think the people that, uh, and I've had relationships, like long-term relationships from online dating sites, but I was very specific. I found that if I was really, if there was a time in my life where I was really serious, then I wrote exactly what I wanted and then and, and been very clear what I didn't want and then used wait to have that match. So I, I do I do think there's a, if you're strategic, smart, honest, transparent, you can find what you want and be safe. I do agree with you. So I know somebody personally that I used to work with and um, he met his wife off of Tinder and it wasn't to hook up though so he didn't hook up with her right away which is unlike the stereotype you know it's that's like the main one knowing like for hookups um he got to know her and she had um she had a son already and it took about i think he said like six or seven months until he felt ready to meet her son and then he instantly like fell in love with her son but they really took their time with it before she even introduced him yeah, to her child and got married. It is. Yeah, I agree you with really that. Feel it's a right person. You really got to take your time. And I think a lot of the dangers, and we'll get into the monarchic abuse, is that they will rush you into a situation. Like they kind of create an accelerated timeline. We'll go on that later. But yes. yeah, and I think taking the time is a key. You really get to know a person, right? Um, uh, you know, absolutely. And you know what? It. it, it, it if you see or feel anything off, do some research, you know, that's, you know, well, you know, without looking like putting up the person on a witch hunt, but if there's some red flags, you know, do, you know, do some investigation or due diligence. And, and in my, also in one of the podcasts I actually did about, um, it was in my tainted love series talking about dating and stuff like that. And I took examples that I've learned in the business world and how they apply to relationships because essentially when you're in business with someone, it's, it is like a relationship. It's a marriage. You rely on them. They drop the ball. Everybody suffers. So you're in these uh, relationships almost as equal and strong as your personal relationships because your money's tied to it. Mm-hmm. And and things like lies and you know, little white lies and stuff, they, they corrode things fast and, and, they, and it creates a real toxicity. And I've seen it firsthand. And so that's another thing I highly recommend to look for lies, look for bullshit, even little like little inconsistencies, little like, you know, they tell a story and then it's different or, you know, those things are usually like indications of something. If they feel if, if they have to lie to you over stupid things, there's either insecurity or they're covering something up. I agree with you. Totally agree. I missed those lies, but <laughs> now I'm on to that. Now I'm on to people. Yeah. It's like if somebody tells me, this is how messed up my trust issues are now. Um, if somebody tells me, if a guy tells me that the sky is blue, I'm going to actually go outside and look and make sure you the sky is blue. Like that. <laughs> yeah. That's well, where it's, it's gone to. Like, it's like that, but you know what? You, you take it on the chin a few times. You're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to ask a few 
yeah. it's important and it's also for yourself creating boundaries for yourself and and, it, and and I'm telling you anytime I didn't trust my gut it always bit me and anytime I agree it's that instinct it's hard to explain but I've had that before um, switching it up just a little bit more let's talk about being catfished have you oh, ever been catfished I have the ultimate catfish story <laughs> ask you a question if you if a woman told you that she was a professional rock climber would you assume that she would be in good shape professional not even just a hobby a pro i didn't even know such a thing exists i've never rock climbed but you know, i've been outdoors but i think rock climbing the ropes the rocks going up mountains that's pretty intense stuff right yes so most i definitely. had this conversation i met her on plenty of fish and, and the picture was really <laughs> hard to see it was like she was blonde, kind of blurry, and it wasn't a very good picture. That should have been my first red <laughs> So we talked quite a bit and, and talked on the phone a few times before meeting her. And she said she worked at an architectural firm. And she was a professional rock climber. So I'm thinking, wow, you know, we have a fancy job, you know, does this pretty intense sport. You know, I'm, I'm expecting this, like almost like a world-class athlete right <laughs> she lives in an area so vancouver so vancouver is a main city and then we're outside of vancouver is all the suburbs so the biggest city actually in canada beside vancouver surrey and surrey is like a suburb but it's a massive city so it's spread out and there's an area in surrey called wally and wally is like the the armpit of surrey that's the best way to describe it. crackhead <laughs> street walkers drugs on the street people passing out you know, it is pretty rough, high crime and stuff like that. And her apartment is the epicenter of the uh, armpit of Surrey, Wally, because <laughs> she lives in Wally Ring Road. So that is like the, you know, it's like you're the now you're the center of the spider web. <laughs> it is like the scariest apartment. I'm like, this, I'm like what? Like, she's a works at an architecture firm, a rock climber. <laughs> I get to this, it's, a, it's one of those three-story walk-up apartments with no elevator, and they're usually really old, and they smell stale, and the carpet is just absolutely, like, it looks like it's, like, the same carpet, like, from 1950 when the thing was built. So I go up to her floor, she answers the door, I am not kidding, she looks, she looks like a life-size of one of those, have you ever seen those troll dolls with the funny the hair that yes. twisted and play with? <laughs> She looked like that. Her face looked like that. She was like in her fifties. She was about five foot two. She, I would say, I get, I would give her at least two hundred and fifty pounds. And I was just in shock. And I was kind of like, wow, like just wow, like just like what? You know what I mean? I didn't even know. The idea. So I walk in, and I'm, and then her roommate comes out and says, "Oh, does he have any money?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? Does he have any money?" Like right away, like right away. Like right in front of you, talking oh, about your third person. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, I, 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 I hurt my back from the architectural." And she's still trying to use the architectural firm. And I'm like, "No, oh, thank Jesus Christ!" And and it's like, "Oh, we, we, we don't have anything to eat." No, 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 no. And 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 the guy just looked so sketchy. And I just pulled out twenty bucks. I gave it to her. I said, "Okay, here's twenty bucks. See you later." And they they, they seemed happy. And that was their scam. They were such crackheads. She would go online and try to lure people, and the guy would just be freaked out. Oh yeah, here, just because they just want to get out of there. Just <laughs> take the money. I'm gonna 20, run. Give him twenty bucks. Not have to have a fist fight with some crackhead. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
So yeah, that's probably the worst crack, my worst app fishing experience I've ever had. <laughs> Mine was not that bad, but I did have one when I was a freshman at the University of Arizona. So I would meet people right. both ways. I would meet people in my classes, around campus, and then also online, because MySpace was the thing back then. Okay, I remember MySpace, yeah. So sure. MySpace is how I met one of these guys, and... um. I didn't realize, you know, that his picture was, like, from three years ago. <laughs> so when I oh, yeah. saw him, he had definitely yeah. gained more pounds than what I had imagined. But that wasn't the worst part. The worst part is, like, okay, well, we're going to hang out on campus because you're already here. The worst right, part right. was that he wanted to be a stand-up comedian. And so he was going over, like, <laughs> stand-up comedian and a plastic surgeon, but specifically for wow. breast implants. <laughs> right so this is already like yeah. just terrible and uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was basically yeah, like being a woman and wanting breast implants this guy's gonna try out his routine on you <laughs> yeah that's a great visual thing <laughs> like till this day i still wonder if he ever did either i feel like he didn't but Probably I do not. remember that um, he tried some jokes, and he's like, oh, you're Mexican-American, right? And I was like, yes, I am. And he's like, oh, so you guys have sex like jackrabbits. You guys have kids oh, everywhere. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I was right. like, done. Yeah, that, that, that's going to work. Right? Uh, well, well, what, what a patty removing statement, too. Like, you know what I mean? Like a, a silver-tongued devil, you're not, right? Exactly. So I was like, okay, that was the first and last time that I ever met that guy. That was probably my worst catfish. Like, he had more pounds and his jokes were not funny. Like, at least be funny. I, I've had some experience with this. This is not, it, I wouldn't quite call it catfish, but it's kind of like in the, I would say it's in the same spectrum. So there there, there was on plenty of fish for a while, what I call them <laughs> like the pro daters. And, and what I mean by that, they're not like, um, they're not looking for sex or hookups or anything like that. They're usually women that are usually crusty, middle-aged, and they want dinners, movies, stuff like that. And they just get these dumb guys that are so desperate to come meet them, take them out for dinner, buy them a movie. And they, I, I've had a few of those experiences. And they, they, they arrive, their picture is 10 years old, and, and they show zero interest. And you could be a fat dude, skinny, black, Chinese. It doesn't matter. It's as long as you pay for dinner, and then they won't really even engage you. And <laughs> the, those are weird. Yeah, we call them pro daters. And then there was another one where it, it's like they, um, it's like they're almost like they, it's almost like they just want to f with you. We was after you. That they would like, they would like meet you and then like uh, almost engage you with an argument. But it was almost like you feel like they're trying to set you up. Like I like I had this I'll tell you the experience. So I, I met this woman online, right? And she I was in the working out and she was in the working out. So we should go for a drink sometime. And I'm like, Okay, cool. And I live downtown Vancouver and there's a place called the Granville Room. So I went to the Granville Room and there she comes, we we're having a beer, da da da, everything's cool. Uh, good chemistry, she was actually attractive. She puts her hand on on uh, on my on my thigh and I kinda of put my hand on top of her hand. She freaks out, don't touch my hand, smack. And I was just like, whoa. whoa. I was just like, okay, <laughs> night's over, night's over. And she's like, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Uh, come back, sit down. I'm like, okay. Uh, and then you're like, people are looking, 
And I, 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 you know, I'm not going to get in some bizarro situation. And there is also massive mental health issues in Vancouver. So I don't know if it's that or just a bad roll of the dice. But yeah, sometimes if you meet someone and then they can get kind of snaky. It's kind of a, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, it can be kind of a frightening. I've had a few experiences like that, actually. I haven't sometimes had that. Sometimes it's because they get heavy and intoxicated. They get so drunk, like at the date, they get, you know what I mean? And then you're worried about them. <laughs> I haven't really had that, but I've definitely heard of that. Can I tell you about the English lady I dated? Yeah. So I went on this date with this English lady. Her name was uh, Charlotte. And <laughs> we, we met this place. As I said, it's a, people know where Vancouver is. Earl's Vancouver. It's Broadway, Granville area. It's a busy area. It's, a, it's like kind of like, uh, it's like a, it's a really, the restaurant's a glorified pub. They, they really serve lots of alcohol and get food, da da da, big screens, kind of sports bar, kind of vibe, restaurant, puppy vibe. You know what I mean? Like, they're a chain here. We go meet at we go meet at Earl's. We, we sit waiting for our table. I I I order a martini. There there are three shots of alcohol. I take a sip. She looks. She orders one. She just sheets it back. Oh, you might have another one. No, go ahead. <laughs> or another one. Boom, boom, boom. Before we got to her table, she had six martinis. Oh my goodness. She ordered a bottle of wine, and I'm not kidding. She had the glass in her hand, the red bottle, like the glass, and she had the bottle of wine, and she was taking wine shots. Like, boom, boom. And, and yeah, just just like, oh, I guess the native. She just wanted all the free alcohol that she could drink. She got so hammered. And then we played pool after, and she showed me some very unladylike uh, things with the pool stick while she's wearing her sundress and running around the pool hall. That's all the need. <laughs> so, I do tend to drink on some dates, but it's like I kind of know this mental limit on on my yeah, drinking to an extent. Yep, yeah, I have like this number of drinks. Mine is honestly yeah. like six drinks. I don't like to hit that range with anybody because six drinks means that I'm going to be very sloppy. So I try to keep it like two yeah, or three. That too. So I try to keep yeah, it like two me, to three six drinks. Six is like a night. Night now, like six is a night. Before six was a warm up. Back, you know, back, you know, when I was just a savage. Oh God, six is a stopping person. But now, yeah, <laughs> five is like well, five to six is cool. You know, generally I don't really drink more than two or three beers. Uh, you know, at any given time. You know what I mean? Or, you know, or even just one. Especially, like, in the dating sense. Like, I don't want to put that foot forward. I feel like that's something... I don't know. It's kind of weird. Maybe it's, like, prudish on me. Well, but, like, I'll save that for a relationship. dangerous, right? Put it is. stuff in there. That, you know, there's so many horror stories. I could do a, I could do a, a podcast with you one day just on, like, dating drugs and that kind of stuff and stuff I've seen, like, in bars and stuff. Because like that, that, that gets scary. But my it advice, does. honestly, don't let people touch your drinks, buy your own drinks, or, or, you know, pay for your own drinks, handle your own drinks, don't let, you know, don't let somebody you don't know pass you a drink. Like, exactly. You know, yeah, always, <laughs> and always be aware of who made the drink. Like, I have learned that. The making them, right? I have learned that the hard way, so I don't really talk about it. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but I'll mention it now. So, it was when I was 21, and I was with my ex, and with his cousin, and um, some of her friends didn't really know them, but they all knew that it was my birthday. So one of them did pass me a drink. Silly me, being so many drinks in already, didn't realize that this was a warm drink. 
So to this day, I can't prove it, but I do feel like somebody had slipped something in the drink. All of a sudden, like, my heart started pounding. I felt like I was having an anxiety attack. And I am not, I don't want to say I'm an alcoholic. That's not true. But I am a regular social drinker. So if somebody has alcohol, yeah, I'll take, like, shots of whiskey and in, in calm yeah, settings. Yeah, you, know, you know what you can handle. You're familiar yes. with, like, yeah. And that time being 21, so I started drinking, had my first drink when I was 16, but I started drinking regularly, like weekends and parties and things like that, when I was like 19. So when I turned 21, it wasn't anything special in that sense. It was just like, okay, now she could legally do this. You know, like now we could go out to bars and things. But I was already like with kickbacks and parties and and doing yeah. this for like two years already so i kind of knew how my body reacted to alcohol but that time right. my heart was beating fast i ended up jumping out of a moving car it was wild oh wow. so that's why i totally well, agree a, with you watch your drinks what was that you know, that's, a, that's the thing for the audience that's listening to this is, is that's exactly that if you like for example like you know i i smoke i smoke cannabis right i, I don't really drink i smoke my mother smoke weed if someone would pass me a joint and all of a sudden I'm passing out, I've never passed out from a joint ever in my life, ever. Yeah, I've gotten really high, but I've never, like, instantly, oh, my God, my everything's blacking out. You know someone after that joint, right? If you're a, you know, regular drinker and all of a sudden you're halfway through a beer and you can barely get up, you know? Yes. You know, yeah. It was this crazy yeah. feeling of anxiety, and it was, like, a lot of emotions. Like, the part of me was, like, hyped, but then there was, like, this, like, anger, I and it was weird. Actually. It was bad. I got drunk once. It was uh, a whole friend, next friend of mine. Uh, he put PCP in a beer. Oh my god! I was in a nightclub. I swear to God, I walked around the this, around the dance floor for like an hour, it just just doing laps around the the dance floor, and then finally I kind of recovered. And, oh yeah, it was just like an out of body experience for one. Yes. Yeah, so I, I was pretty pissed off. That's the best way to explain it. I totally agree. It it felt like it wasn't really me doing all this, but it was happening. No, no. Especially like I jumped out of out of my out of my ex's car and into like some random couple's car, and I was like, I've never done that. And they took me home. Luckily, they were good people. What was that? You had to flee for your life, basically. Yeah, at that point, that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. It was. I don't know, it was a crazy experience. That time, though, I do feel like there was something in there. And even when you're talking about weed, like, yeah. I only smoke with people that I trust when I do smoke. And that's because yeah, a lot yeah. of people lace things with fentanyl these days. That's a big thing. Well, I know, I know. It's here in Vancouver, there's a fentanyl epidemic. Like, just about thousands and thousands of people have died. I think I... I think in the last, like, since about 2016, just from fentanyl, I, 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 I would I could easily say the numbers, but probably over 10,000 people in, uh, over the over the province. Absolutely. That's an easy number. I think I'd be comfortable saying. It's the same you here. Know, There's a big long. epidemic with, uh, with it happening here in the States as well. Uh, that's gross. Yeah, it's horrible. And, and it's sad, too, because I, I know circumstances where even, like, like my stepson, he uh, was 19, and one of his friends did a, uh, oh, God, uh, not a band, uh, Xanax. Someone mm-hmm. gave him a Xanax, but the Xanax turned out to be counterfeit. He, this kid wasn't even a druggie. I think he was having anxiety or something, and someone gave him a Xanax, and he thought it calmed him down. Well, the Xanax turned out to be counterfeit. It was pure fentanyl. Killed the kid. 
never that did drugs. So it's always in the drug use. So that's why it's so dangerous. Cause it's, it is. It's poisoning, like, all kinds of, like, drugs. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a horror. It's a, it's a monster, fentanyl. It really is. Speaking of other monsters, let's talk yeah, about uh, narcissists. <laughs> So, I just want to break down the definition, first of all, of narcissism. So, that's an excessive interest of admiration of oneself or one's physical appearance. can include selfishness, a lack of empathy, sense of entitlement, a need for praise. What else would you add to that? Or you feel like that hits it spot on? There's also, there's other types of narcissists too, right? Because there's also what's called a malignant narcissist. That's like the dangerous one. That's one that tend to become like a serial killer. And then there's also the covert narcissist. The covert narcissist is the most trickiest one to spot. They tend to act like the wounded child. So when you, when you, when you did that description of a narcissist, you were very spot on because most narcissists, when you think of a narcissist, they think of someone, you know, always into their hair, you know, the symbol holding a mirror, constantly checking themselves, constantly, you know, the fanciest clothing. Well, the covert narcissist is different. They look disheveled, they're overweight, they're grumpy, and they do that, feel sorry for me. And then they usually combine uh, some kind of substance, usually alcohol. And then the alcohol with this defeated personality makes it, it kind of creates this grandiose response. And then they, they become vicious monsters, like really vicious. So there's that. And then there's also narcissists that learn how to channel, like actors. Like, you know, they're divas, you know, like, uh, like Beyonce. Mm-hmm. You know, not easy to deal with. She's a bit of a diva. I bet, I bet she drives her, her personal assistance nuts. But she's not a killer either. But she's also highly talented. So she has a way of channeling that. So a lot of actors can be narcissists. A lot of business mm-hmm. people are doctors. And, and as long as they're, you know, they might not be the funnest to be around. Maybe their relationships are hard to but they're not on the scale, like, really doing uh, damage to people, like we're talking about when it comes to, like, narcissistic abuse, which is kind of a next level of of emotional abuse. And that actually ties into what I was going to say. So a lot of stereotypes are that men are narcissists. So I wanted to ask you, can a woman be a narcissist? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, women, women, men... Men, women are, you know, they have the same kind of brains, they have the same kind of desires and wants and needs. And in some cases, women can be slightly more because they have to use their intellect to get ahead rather than their physical ability. So women can definitely be more um, uh, smarter about how they go about getting their things, where sometimes men, uh, you know, on, on the most extreme end, will only handle the problems with violence or brute force or... I do. That actually ties into a concept that I've mentioned before on the podcast. It's kind of vulgar, but I call it power of the pussy, where she knows that she can get away with certain things. A woman, at least, you know. Oh, absolutely. I've seen lots of relationships like that where, you know, let's say say a guy who's a bit insecure, never had the hot chick before, and and all of a sudden a hot chick picks up on that energy. Maybe the guy has a little bit of bucks in his pocket. Mm-hmm. And, and he knows that this guy will do anything to have the hot chick on his arm because it's not like he even really is that in love with her. He loves the idea of her. He loves that, the, oh, everyone's going to look at him. And, and to lose that is to lose his identity. So his identity is tied into that woman's identity. So therefore, he loses himself in that. And she, as he said, then has all the power of the pussy. Yeah. I've seen that before a lot of times. There was actually this girl that I used to work with. Um, she was 
She was beautiful. Not gonna lie to you, she was beautiful ex- ex- uh, external wise, but inside, um, she got this married man that we work with to get her like a Michael Kors watch just because he thought he had a chance. You know, little things like that. And I'm like, and he was married, so I, I was, I don't know. I've always talked about that though. I feel like it's a real thing. Women can definitely be narcissists, and I totally oh, agree absolutely. with you on that. Absolutely, borderline personality and uh, psychosis and. You know, we, we, we are all, you know, we're men and women. We're made out of the same a substance. We're made out of bone, flesh. You know, we have the same wants, desires, and dreams as men tend to have a little bit more testosterone, and that gets them in a little bit more trouble than women, typically. And I wanted to break it down. What are the warning signs of a narcissist? Well, they say the warning signs of a narcissist is that they say the easiest way to really spot one and the most elegant way to, to, to say it is called the shit test. The shit test is, is denying them something. So let's say, you know, they want to have a certain type of sex or they want to go drag you out somewhere and you say, no, I don't want to do that. And, and if they have a tantrum or they really, like, they won't let you get out of doing that. Like, they'll just, that, that's the first warning sign that's a warning sign because it's all about them that you realize it's nothing to do with you doesn't matter how you feel um you know if you don't do what they want when they want it they typically will have a tantrum or or they'll get silent and sulky and you'll pay for they'll be the oh fine and then the next day all silent treatment yes you know or or or, or they'll take off somewhere and then their phone's off like that oh my goodness I've totally yeah, gone through that. Want, I've had so many girlfriends that do that one. He, he, he didn't want to go somewhere. Or I'll be fine. I'm going to see you later. And the phone's off till like four in the morning, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my that, goodness. That, that's the punishment, right? You said no. You said no. Guess what? You get punished. So that, that's, a, that's a pretty fast and effective way of drawing one out. I call it the, the smoking them out, right? You get them to uncloak. Because some of them are good. Some of them are really good. They, and what they do, too, is that they usually... Uh, perfect their game throughout relationships so they'll learn oh shit shouldn't have tried that too quick uh, you know what I mean they're, they're, it's like it's a, everything is calculated to them I'm definitely not here to bash my ex but when you mentioned the whole yeah. no I'm, I don't feel comfortable with you doing this and then him turning off the phone and being out till whatever time you wanted to be definitely I've lived through that so I feel that that should have been my sign at the time to just stay away completely, but I was in love, you know? Well, that's what that's called, right? It's called being passive-aggressive. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's an aggressive tactic that really it works, effective, but it doesn't take them much in. All they do is talk, turn off the phone, you don't want to be okay, I'll be if someone else that does. And it's, it's always like the, you know, like the little kid, I'll take my ball and play somewhere else. Yes, always like that. And that brings me down to more of a psychological thing. Does a narcissist know what they're doing? It's an interesting question. There's a doctor that I, I watch on uh, YouTube. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he does amazing talks. He, if, he, if everyone listening wants a real deep dive into the subject, he's the expert. All you have to do, I guess, in YouTube is Google Hungarian narcissist PhD. He'll come up. He is diagnosed <clears throat> He's diagnosed with narcissism disorder, and he explains how he has it. He's aware of it. So he became a doctor studying it. So he he says that they can't be cured, but they can self-monitor self and understand that the hurt they're doing, it's a work on their effort. But not every 
But you got to remember, these are spectrum-like behaviors, right? So on the extreme end, let's, so if you're, let's say we're comparing it to like a serial killer, like a, a Ted Bundy is the most extreme type of serial killer, right? Mm-hmm. Or someone who goes and maybe lifts up women's skirts. He's in the mall. It's very predatory, disgusting behavior, but it's lower on the scale than, than what Ted Bundy's doing. So there's that, too. So maybe someone who is slightly lower maybe can develop some empathy, maybe through, let's say, life and tribulation, seeing the hurt that it causes his kids. You know, you know, you never can say never, right? It would take therapy and it would take effort. And that actually transitions into what I was going to ask next. Can a narcissist mm-hmm. change? Only if they really want to. And then sometimes, too, though, this is the, this is the problem with narcissists. When do you believe them? Because sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, they'll go through all that. And that is the is the trick like for example narcissists and borderlines do terrible in therapy because they'll use the therapy to abuse they'll tell people i am doing the therapy i'm doing all the things you want so please trust me like they'll be like they'll use anything so that that is that's why they're they're so special at what they do because it's it's simply because if they don't want to they won't simple as that I've totally been there. So again, not using this episode at all to bash my ex, but to just be honest about my experiences. Um, I did take him back. So in the beginning, when I met him, just a really brief run through. I've mentioned it a few times in my earlier episodes. I was 19 and he was 24, going to be 25 when we first met back in 2009. Then we were engaged by the time I was 20. So like a year later, we were engaged didn't get married until I was 22 and then also had our firstborn at that time. Found out that he cheated on me the following year, so 2013, we divorced. And um, during that time when I filed, I considered myself single, even though the divorce took like a year to settle. I considered myself like separated. But when we divorced, I was going through what you mentioned before, like lies. There was a point where there was actually like... um. This time where he, I, so I was a mother, I was in school full-time at the University of Arizona, and I was actually like in my last semester, so I was balancing motherhood, school, and work, and I was wow, also helping, it was, and there were some times where like I would make dinner for him, and considering all already my busy schedule, all I that, would, Yes, cooking meals, and there would be excuses, like, I gotta stay late for work, or we have this meeting that that's going on, or we're gonna go bowling, me and my co-workers, and I, I, my supervisor wants us to oh, interact yeah, more. Yeah, oh, God, you were brought back memories. Yeah, all of a sudden, <laughs> their workplace is like this lively social hub of all yes. these activities. Yes. Never was before, but it's all of a sudden. Yes, and so to me, it was, like, already, like, warning signs, you know, and so when it was certain points where I was like, no, like, I'd really rather you prefer, I'd prefer that you stay with uh, me and our daughter, you know, but there were times where he would leave, exactly, and he would just take off and leave, and I couldn't get a hold of him, so I felt helpless, it's kind of like, well, where's my man going, it's like 2 a.m., well, it was like midnight, and then it's like 2 a.m. when he would come back drunk. It was. So when you think about the divorce, it it wasn't pretty. You know what I mean? And there was a lot of arguments. A lot of people see it as like 
And that's the other side of it too. They love that. See, this is what makes it okay. So this is what makes a narcissist a monster, right? So this is the best part about them. So first they lure you in, right? Mm-hmm. And then pokey, pokey, pokey. Yes. And they finally react stuff then they'll play the wounded victim and they'll play victim of you being mad at them and then they'll go around and tell everyone oh you're just crazy just yell just okay so for example let's say your ex took off right he's off at two in the morning mm-hmm. you're pissed off screaming he comes home let's say like two in the morning oh, sorry so he comes home while you're making breakfast that for your kids you're yelling at him you're so pissed off and then he goes to work my, my wife was yelling at me at breakfast. Like, you know what I mean? Leaving yes. out the main thing. Yeah, so they like to do that. They like to set the stage with BS stories. And the, the best part, though, though, usually their stories fall apart fast. But they usually have another one and another one and another one. The, 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 the worst part of listening to narcissists is actually listening to them. They'll just fill your head with lies. Yes. It's your fault. And what about me? And bring up this. And bring it up was, that. actually. What so- about that? Fine. Oh, and if you did screw up, oh, they say those like little, like you know, little. Yes, like, they do. Oh pockets, my goodness, right? oh, you're just like hitting yeah. spot on with my last relationship. So, yeah, no. with those arguments, right? We would have arguments. Yes, I would be screaming. I would be that one, the crazy baby mama, crazy wife. You know, that was like the title yeah. that I carried for the longest time. Um, right, and a lot right. of people it's all, it's all your fault yeah it was always my fault totally and then the people on my side were just like oh my god you know like it was sad but it was almost like questionable like did you ever stand up to him and it's like the stuff that you didn't see behind closed doors where yes we would have oh, like yeah, screaming yeah. fights and then he would kind of be like you're gonna wake the neighbors like excuse me you're wow. the one over here thinking that you could live this life without realizing that you need to settle down and be committed, you created this, you know what I mean? Like, you want, I don't yeah, know, that's how I saw it. Reasonable argument, and that's a problem with it because their whole um, tactics, all about shutting you down and getting you back to being compliancy. You know what I mean? Yes. It's almost like, yeah, you know, it's out of order, how do we fix it, how do we, you know, uh, dial around in her head to make her say oh i'm sorry you're all right and i'll go back to being your slave a lot of that yes if you were like you've never seen that movie sorry that it's called the stepford wives yes yes i totally have with nicole kidman yeah yes that's what they want they want this robot that will blow them at at, you know on demand make you know i'm just saying if it's a guy narcissist right Make them their steaks and BJs and, and, and yes, sir, no, sir, wash the, you know, I mean, that, it's, it, I'm exaggerating. But, I you know, totally that, thought that, that, that be, though. Be, right? you know? So maybe when they do finally make robots, these men will just start having robot relationships. <laughs> that would be you know? nice, right? It was a lot of mental manipulation that I went through. I remember um, one of the prime examples that, like, to this day, I still can't believe, like, I put up with that was I actually graduated, right? So I told you, like, I was going for my last semester. I graduated, and that same night, there was, like, a a tension, like, some jealousy toward the fact that, like, I did everything that I could do to get my degree, you know? So here I am with a bachelor's degree, coming home, and, like, oh, yeah, like... Right, you're going to celebrate. Yes, I did want to celebrate, and I was like, my parents could watch watch our daughter, like, you know, we had a babysitter, and... I was like, let's go out and let's go have a few drinks. And it was like, well, I'm actually going to hang out with this friend from high school I haven't seen in a while. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's the other thing. Okay, 
negativity and hit on someone else. They love to ruin special moments. That's like that's like their that's like their superpower. You know, if it was like a video game and they got the Powerball, the <laughs> extra superpower. That's one special occasion, Christmas. You know, milestone moments. You worked your ass off getting that degree, having to work, juggle all the bullshit, mm-hmm. all those assignments. You know, that, that was a that was like climbing a mountain for you. It was. And instead of someone saying, "Hey, congratulations, high five, take you out for dinner, or something like that," which you know, a real man would have. You know, they're they're oh, I'm gonna shit on it. I'm gonna go friend from high school. Uh. Yes, you that know, was and, the experience. And, and then what did that do? something what you did is insignificant that's what they're that's the message it's like it was know, actually you know, it's not such a big deal lots of people have to things. yes you know, it's or, like that little goblet, you know, it was also a little bit of like well my mom and sister didn't get degrees but they're still the strongest women i know and it wasn't anything toward his family it was like a personal accomplishment for oh, myself is that what he took <laughs> Yes, that's what he took it. has nothing to do with other. You didn't say, hey, if you came in and waved your degree and acted all like you're the you know, queen of the world and saying your mother and sister are not strong women because they didn't get a degree, I'm a strong woman because I have one. Right. Yeah, then, then they could defend that stupid argument. Like, I almost want to laugh. The way I paraphrased it is as dumb as that, <laughs> saying that, right? Like, years later, because this is in 2013, so what is that, like, nine uh-huh. years later... I can actually laugh at that, but back then that was very hurtful. You know, that was very hurtful. Oh, no, like, hurtful. Like, I, like I said, you cross the finish line. You want mm-hmm. when you cross the finish line, you want your supporters there. You want the people that you know, like, hey, it's amazing what you did. That's that's what life's about, right? You work hard for something, you you make something, and you want you want to celebrate it with the people that you love and care for, right? Exactly. When you think you have those people in your circles, and they're just like basically shitting on your rug. And saying, oh, you go clean it up, haha, you know. It was exactly like that. And then. That's what I mean. That's why I use such a a, a crude term. But that's how it makes you feel. Like, you you know, and and that's what they do. Again, the the special occasions, special moments, anything that's important to you, they'll find a way to make sure you don't enjoy it. Totally. I remember this one time. It was a little thing, a little detail, but I still remember this. I remember, like. Mm -hmm. Um, it was probably like about two weeks before I graduated because I was still in school and um, he was saying that he didn't feel appreciated enough. And I'm over here thinking like, I'm the one working my ass off, like, you know, but okay, you don't feel appreciated enough. And he's like, yeah, just sometimes I'll just like even like a little note that says thank you. So I went, I got this man a card and a cupcake. And you know the messed up part is like I put the cupcake in the fridge for him and he didn't even come home that night. Right. Oh god. So he didn't even touch the cupcake, eat the cupcake. When I gave him the card there was no money in it. So he tossed the card playing around and was like there's not even like what? a gift in here. Yes. It was so what? so many right. dumb you know red flags. Now looking back you know what? Yeah. Now you're not with him you're dodging a bullet every single day. You're like so <laughs> That is how I feel. (laughs) And like, I totally wasn't going to use this episode to bash him because one of the things I came up with when I launched this was like an open platform. But I also want honesty, you know, and a lot of people, I never really shared my story of what went on with me and him. I just kept it behind closed doors. Like, I wasn't going to shit on him, basically, like the way he did on me. But 
we we brought up this topic and it actually interested me that this is something that you wanted to speak about. So I was like, well, I definitely have some stories for this. It's not good, well, but it's think, my life. I think it's a good topic because anyone, you know, anyone who's, let's say, dated at least for five years has met one of these. Yes. You know, and the dating world, they're tough because they can really disguise it. Because like what you said, let's say, let's say if you're into someone that's really into fitness, right? Well, a lot of narcissists are into fitness, so you, you know, you're going by looks again, right? Mm-hmm. And, and of course, a lot of people don't look good, and who doesn't, right? But when you when you don't get deeper into that personality, and narcissists, they, they can be tricky, though. And again, they can do all the right things in the beginning. They're perfect. Yes. They basically become the opposite of what they are. So even, you know, even the best of us gets fooled from them. There's no... There's no uh, sure way because, again, it comes down to a person's attention. Attention is one of the most powerful things on earth. There's nothing you can stop someone's intention, good, bad, malevolent or not, right? I totally agree with you. And you brought that up about how charming they could be. So, silly me. Going back on the history, I did take him back in 2017. He asked me out in 2016. That whole time... That was like probably about a good eight, nine months. He was just kicking up the charm, you know? Meanwhile, I was right. dating somebody else. I even went through a phase where I was seeing other people, um, you know, promiscuity, honestly, uh, when my other relationship didn't work out. And there he was still, you know, trying to lure me back in, I feel, when I really examined things. And I fell for that, you know? And then we had a second kid. And then... When he messed up and did the same thing over again and got caught, it was like the way you said, like, okay, like, you could take out the blame on me. We're going to work this out. We're going to get through this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly like that. Like, you can hit me and take out your frustration. Oh, God. But I think that's also a game. They like, they like to, they, it's almost like something that I feel like they almost want to F up on purpose and see how far they can you and take you back and then do it again and again yeah they're you know a, a way i describe their personality i think the best way to describe them if, if you observe them in private they were probably were the children that captured the spiders and slowly pulled the spider's legs off one at a time you know that that's that's the <laughs> core that's what you get when you pull when you take the mask off and, and no one's looking i totally agree with you and touching back <laughs> let's get back i totally did a whole rant <laughs> about my narcissistic relationship but can therapy work for a narcissist can the can like therapy work yes if they're i guess if they're really serious but the problem is and you got you know this like any type of uh issue like if it's drugs alcohol someone who's a you know heavy coke user and they really want to stop and you know i've seen this and there's a lot of addictions in vancouver there's a lot of people in my have lost friends uh they can't stop the head friends that they could be clean for a year and then one mess up and then they're back. It's all it took. So it's almost like how deeply ingrained the behavior is. And, and, and you look at someone's track record, I hate to say it. If, if you go back, let's say the person's 40 years old and you go back to 20 years. So 20 years of dating to the time they're 20 years old and every relationship is burnt bridge, scorched earth. Like, I'm, I'm actually friends with almost every woman I've ever dated, except for the ones that are not alive. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. any, anyone can talk to my exes and say, oh, yeah, yeah, we didn't work out, but we still talk to each other, we wish each other the best. We didn't leave it, like, in a destructive, 
you know, Man, scorched yeah. earth uh, breakup. These people do, they scorch the earth, right? They scorch the earth and they salt it out here. So usually people, and then, and then you have to ask yourself, what makes you so different? What makes you special that they're going to not do that to you? And unfortunately, to these people, you're not special. They prove that to you with the behavior and there you go, right? Totally agree. And transitioning with that, can a narcissist move on to another relationship quickly? Yeah, they tend to do that. And that's kind of a thing because they need to be fueled with lovey, no, you're so awesome. So they usually, this is a typical, and this is like a typical situation where uh, we have a narcissist that's more of a serial dater or whatever. You remember that game when you were a kid? It's called Monkey in the Barrel. Yes. One monkey can't let go of the other one. And that's what it is. They can't let go of the other one until they grab the other one's arms because they need that. Even if it's just the pampering, the attention, and that, you know, sex or whatever. And, and think about this, you know, usually by the end of a relationship, when you're kind of like, you know that the relationship's not going to work, you know, the, the sex is usually affected. Mm-hmm. So these efforts, you know, they don't just say, hey, how can we fix that? And they, you know, they just go, oh, well, fine, I'll just go find someone else. And then, you know, they're, they don't care if you don't want to have sex with them because they're having sex with someone else. Totally and, agree. And so they're already kind of already gone out the door they know it so they know it's one to shit and then and then they're still feeling good getting what they need and then they get the f with you while they're in that new relationship and you know that's a common thing too so uh that's probably the reason for the whole serial dating and because they're shallow people they need they need to have people adore them and stuff it's like for me i can spend a lot of time by myself i don't need praise i want people to praise me for what i accomplishment i don't want these people praising me just for the sake of praising me, these people are the opposite of that. They constantly need to be their ego stroked. And so that's, that's part of the main reason they're constantly serial dating. I totally agree with that. I totally do. And I'm the same as you, actually. Like, if it's an accomplishment like me getting my LLC or me relaunching the podcast because I took a hiatus from healing mm-hmm. from the relationship that I just spoke to you about, like... Um, little things like that but I feel like honestly for me isolation has usually provided an elevation for me like sometimes I gotta pull back you know I'm totally yeah, different yeah, from yep exactly see the perspective see the bigger picture you know roll back the tape of it you know it's important right it's important so you don't get in like you know as we get older and then like, like you, you were talking we both have kids we have responsibilities we have uh, a bad relationship can really destroy that. It really you know, can. Because life, this daily, you know, the daily life of, you know, getting your kids up, doing your stuff, blah, 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 having some time for yourself, you know, doing some adult stuff with your partner or whatever, you know, it, it, it's all, you know, as you get older, these things become more planned. They're not as spontaneous as you were when like, you were in your 20s. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a relationship that makes all of that impossible, you're in a living hell. So the most important, I think, a person can do for their mental health is find the right partner for them, not for other people. And, you know, again, looks and stuff are important, but I'd rather be for someone who cares about me, has my back, who's loyal, who's, who's you know, going to be there for thick and thin. And maybe they're not looking like a runway model, but have a runway model that's constantly looking over your shoulder, constantly getting dudes numbers, hooking up on the side, you know, it really is that the hurt looks that important to destroy your life and destroy your self-worth. So you have to ask yourself, what do you want? And be truthful for what you want and be truthful for that other person. I think most people can find that if they do that. 
I most definitely agree. Speaking about the tragedy and the devastation afterwards, why is healing after narcissistic abuse so hard? Well, this is what I think is okay. Again, if you get into a physical fight, you know, like uh, boxing or wrestling or you know, MMA, yeah, you get beat up, you get hurt. It, it, you know, it, it, it takes a while to heal, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you're in a partnership, domestic partner, and someone hits you, well, first of all, them hitting you is a betrayal, right? It's like it's a violation, right? Not like you, it's not like you're you're doing it uh, on purpose, like on in a gym sparring or thing like that. You can get hurt, but you're prepared for it. You're prepared, you're prepared for it. The narcissist, they do something different, right? They don't blindside you like that. They they either want to get in your head and they destroy your self worth, your self confidence, your self esteem. So you almost feel like you deserve it. So that's why it takes a long time to heal. Because the, like, if you're the, the some asshole guy and he slaps you across the face and you're like, you son of a bitch, right? Yes. You, you, you'd be stupid to continue that relationship. But yeah, that, that slap hurt and stung. But the next day you're probably not going to feel it anymore. But you're going to probably be compelled to do something about it. I'm not going to be in a relationship where a man or a woman's going to slap me around. But if you're with someone that just kind of whispers in your ear, oh, you're just inadequate, you're, you're not good enough, and, you know, so when they finally destroy you, you got to build yourself back up again. you got to build yourself yes, you again. you got you to you take that programming they put in your head. It's a, it's a bullshit illusion. It's like a, it's a faucet that's leaking. you got to turn that tap off, right? So that's why it's hard, because it, it takes that work. It really does. It takes you analyzing it. Why did I let that person in? Because I bet, and this is a question I'm asking, if it was any other circumstance and they did the same thing as someone else, like you probably would have shut that shit down quickly. But they know how to let your guard down that they're getting away with shit. Most definitely. I went through that a lot. And I think that's, well, not I think. I know that's part of why I took a break from podcasting, honestly. It was after the breakup. I needed time to heal. Yeah, that's and- you're not in that mental yeah. space to go through an interview because you're going through so much other shit in the background and questioning yourself, like, why did I let this person do this? You know, why did I allow myself to stay yeah, there? Yeah. yeah, it's horrible. It is. Because because no one wants to think that someone has their number. And someone, I guess, let me rephrase that. No one wants to believe that they can be easily manipulated. We all can. I, you know, I get manipulated by my kids every day. So, you know, <laughs> we're all able to. You know, and people that are good at it practice it. I don't practice well. Maybe when I did sales and business, it's not like I'm manipulating people, but I'm trying to phrase things. So I'm trying to get to their agreement, right? But it's a business environment, right? But but people that are in this other realm, you know, they're practicing their phrases and how they say, "Oh, she says this, you say that," and they have all these, you know, message yes. boards and this and that. Oh, she responds with this. This is, you know, they, you know, so they they create almost like a, a playbook of how to act all freaked out well this you know they have a you know they have an answer for everything so it, it, it you got to see it for what it is it's, it's pure being you're, you're being manipulated i most definitely agree i know i talked about my experience i want to shift it to you a little bit have you been with the narcissistic person and if so how did you move on um i've been with uh let's see um my wife when she before she passed away she passed away in 2020 she had a uh, a stroke and it changed her personality and I, but she didn't tell us she didn't she kept it a secret so in her case it wasn't like she was a narcissist it was because and I do and I, there's a podcast about 
share the story to help people with mental health and I also share my journey of how I went through and got over post-traumatic stress and anxiety and all the events in my life passing away. But anyways, um, so her behavior became very extreme, like really to the opposite of who she was. And and so that was really hard to deal with because I didn't, I, I honestly, I was not prepared for it. It was, it was in such uncharted territory, but a narcissist in the classic sense, and absolutely I have been, um, there usually were more short-term relationships where you realize it's like, you know, the relationship's all about them. It's always about where they want to go and what they want to eat. And, and it's like you're just kind of like along for the ride. And as soon as I feel that way, I, I lose interest fast. I'm not like, like you know, just the, they're part of their entourage. So that's been mostly my experiences. The darker stuff was more due to my wife's behavior because uh, mental health breakdowns that were extreme and... Uh, but yeah, those that I have, I do have a lot of experience with like extreme like type of behavior. Yes, I feel that. I feel like the way you said, most of us have come across these experiences before. It it sucks yeah. to be honest. It sucks, but well, it's hard, hard too because again, Nick, you seem like a person that's pretty you know reasonable, quiet. You just want to do your thing right. You just want someone that's going to reciprocate that with you. You don't want a headache or bullshit and stuff like that. So when you're with someone that say, listen, I'm reasonable, just, just, just communicate in a way that, that works for both of us, and it can't all be about you. Like, what, 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 you want me to do something for you? Well, blah, blah, blah. And then that, that's, that's how it's like. It's like that crazy, uh, uh, the, the, your wants and needs don't matter. So why, why would I even consider it? Like it as soon as you feel that, that, that's when you get out. Yes. I feel like silly me went through it twice, but now I know. My friend always teases me, too, at work. Like, okay, now she knows for sure. <laughs> That's not a route that we're going back. I could laugh at it now, but, yeah, most most well, of well, the... You know what? I want to say all, all is fair in love and war, right? Yes, it is. It, it shapes us. makes us who are... And guess what? You know what? That guy did you a favor because now you're available to meet a better person, a better person that, that you're... You know what I mean? Like, he, he cleared the deck for you, so there, now, now you have a potential to meet someone that's better, more quality, that does the things that you want, and, and you know, you, you get an opportunity to raise your standards, and that's the best thing you can do. When you move on from a narcissistic relationship, you make sure the next one is, is the relationship you want, you communicate that very clearly, you know? Like, I love What's that. important, like, I guess... I guess, you know, again, you know, we go back, we go back to the beginning of the conversation. This is the problem with hookup culture. Hookup culture and dating are two different things. You date when you actually want to get to know someone, you want to get, you know, care about them and you want to have a relationship. Hook up, you hook up with them and if it's compatible and safe, it's fine. The problem is, is that we, we and this is what used to happen to me when I was younger, <clears throat> I would hook up with someone, like the sex, and think that because I like the sex, now I'm able to have a relationship with them. No, those are two different things. It uh-huh. is. You know what I mean? It totally and, and, is. And, and, and that, that's what would happen, right? So as we get older, as much as we so might like that activity, it's important for the long term, the health, for your mental health and wellness. Put it on the back burner a bit and also see how much they pressure, how, how important that is to them. You know, you don't want to be, I'm not, I'm not advocating being pruders or anything, but what I'm saying is if, if, if you know, if you're with someone and they're foaming at the mouth and that's all they want, then that's, you know, that's all they want. They're not interested in getting to know you or, or, or what you're about, right? And, and if you're about someone, you know, building a, 
it's like this, right? If you build a business, you want the best people in that business to make that business thrive. Your relationship at the end of the day is a business. You're going to be sharing bills, household expenses. You're going to be, you know, drink or bringing money together. You got, you got to make important decisions together, especially if you're going to have children together. That person has to be a business partner um, to make that long-term work, right? And I'm just yes. using business partner as, a, as an analogy, but you get the idea. You have to have, I bet, maybe a better way of saying it is you have to have someone who's willing to cooperate with you. Cooperation is the most important thing in a long-term relationship, business or in that relationship. I totally agree. And I think that that's honestly all that I have for the discussion today. I think that's a positive note to end this on because it's a, it's a deep, dark, dark subject. You know, not as dark as true crime, but honestly, like you said, living monsters, like, Totally agree. Yeah, it's tough out there for people. And again, you know, and, and you know, I unfortunately forced to have a lot of experience in this. And I thought, okay, you know, I could have a lot. Of, I have, a, I have so many dating stories. Like, yeah, yeah, down the road, you want to do more dating stories? I'd love to. We could do a podcast of just dating stories. Like, there's, there's, like I have so many. <laughs> we can definitely do that. I'd definitely like another interview with you in the future. This was fun. Very uh, insightful. Yeah. You totally got my experiences. You're just hitting it right on the head with everything. Like, oh my gosh, I've been through this. I better share this. Well, it shows us that these problems are more universal than not, right? And then, then but that again, just more and more positive thing. We live in all these isolation. We live on social media. I love social media. It's built my platform. I met some amazing people on social media. It has a dark side, but also too, right? You know, again, it's it's about these connections and stuff, right? Most definitely, I agree. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Hush Podcast. Hope you have a great night out there. Thank you so much. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today for another special edition of Hush. You can find us on thehushpodcast.com, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Red Dragons Radio, any Alexa-enabled devices, and all other major platforms. Also, Make sure to visit me on Instagram and Twitter at hushpodcast69. Hope you enjoy.